drive, gets inside, leans in, knocked away, it's stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup, oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down top, bang, bang. the Tiger. This time I'm sick. Zion's gonna want out soon. Here's the thing, I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Josh Yanks, and today we have a lot to cover. And we really, really do. Beyond the draft. Beyond what Corsi he and everyone else was covering on the draft. A trade has been announced. Rumors, reports are flying out the window. This is going to be a pretty crazy week because, because, June 30th kicks off free agency. People are ready. June 30th, July 1st, there's going to be the two busiest days for me and for fans because of how much is going to be coming out through rumors, through reports, through signings. And today's podcast episode is not going to be anything fancy, but we're just going to go right into the breaking news. We're going to go into the heart of it. I want to cover some of these free agency topics. I want to cover the biggest news. I want to start with John Collins' trade. I'm just going to be breaking it down. If you guys missed what was going on in the draft, go over to CourtsAheat.com. When you go to CourtsAheat.com, I answer the question, should should Suns fans be excited about their 52nd overall pick? He's a player. He's a former uh, Georgia Dane player. I cannot pronounce his name to save my life. Uh, Tumani Kamara, I think that's his name, Tommy Tumani Kamara. But we were, but we went over that. I went over that. Uh, I talked about why can't Whitmore fell so low to twentieth overall pick in the first round. I talked about the draft extent. I covered the draft extensively, extensively, extensively. So I am very, very excited about all this stuff. We're gonna come out with more long term. Long-form articles, but if you guys want to check out Tamani Kamara, Brandon Miller, all these different picks, I'll be having one about Amani Bates coming out very, very soon. But guys, courtsheat.com or twittercom heat thats where we're prim- primarily at. As I love tweeting from my personal account, my professional account, and just giving you guys great updates. Remember, twittercom heat and courtsideheat.com. It's hard to believe that the draft was almost a week ago. Like, it's five days old. And there was not a lot of action. Despite the draft being the most watched draft in NBA history, if I read that correctly. Not a lot of action. Sure, you had some mediocre trades here and there. But nothing spectacular. Like, there was no Damian Lillard. We're going to talk about him. There was no DeAndre. And again, we're going to talk about him. We saw maybe John Collins could have went during draft night. I guess pre-draft was Jordan Poole and Chris Paul. Where Chris Paul was traded to the Warriors. And Jordan Poole was traded to the Wizards. I guess you could consider that. But, like, in the heart, in the middle of the trade. Of the draft. Were there going to be any trades? We didn't know what the Blazers were going to do. That was the biggest storyline heading into the draft. At some we covered extensively. We saw we could have been seeing an end of an era for Damian Lillard. And to be honest, we still could be seeing that. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. The only thing I, gar- I, the only thing I can guarantee... Is that there are contract dump-offs. What do I mean by that? What I mean is this. The Brad Bill trade. When we covered that extensively. When I covered that extensively. 
Um, that was a contract dump off. The Wizards wanted to move off the contract of Barry Beal. They wanted to move off the contract of Jordan Goodwin, of Brad Beal, of Isaiah Todd. They wanted to move off of that. And they were just going to sour dump. It was going to be mainly um, Brad Beal, which makes sense. It was a mutual parting because both sides were feeling it. Yes, did they want to stay loyal, but it was time to move on. The contract was not working right. And in the end result for Washington, they were able to trade away Bradley Beal, get Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, but more importantly, flip Paul for Jordan Paul. So they have a younger guy in there. And maybe even a less expensive guy. I don't know. I have to look at the contract again, but I saw Jordan Poole was a little bit cheaper than Brad Bill, but he's a heck of a lot younger. And. He's just, I, I think that he's going to be pretty good. I think it's time, for, I think it was time for him to get out of Golden State. I think Golden State failed Jordan Poole. I think Jordan Poole failed Golden State. I think it was just a one-year explosion. That was it, a one-season explosion. That was it. But I think after the Draymond Green punch, there was not much to it, to be honest. There was not, that, that, that was all. Once you saw the punch, that was the end of their relationship. When Bob Myers stepped down, you knew that Jordan Poole was going to be gone. There was always a sense of that. There was always a rumor. And it finally happened. Also, if my voice sounds weird, I, I'm not sick. But for whatever reason, I'm losing my voice. So, <coughs> so yeah, that's why it just sounds very weird. Um, so yeah, that's just what we're at with my voice. So if my voice sounds like a dying robot or a very dying static robot, I, I'm not sick. I'm just losing my voice. Whatever that may entail. Who knows? Who knows? But you saw the Wizards do something pretty incredible where they were able to get an Trade a good piece, get an older piece to get a pretty solid piece for their franchise. And that's not what the Hawks are doing right now, but we're going to have to let that play out. But the Hawks and the Jazz, I don't know who won that trade. Who do you think won that deal? So the Jazz are acquiring John Collins. It's a massive contract, a massive, massive contract. I know we had a down season, but... He's good, but the contract is massive. But, on the flip side of that, Utah only had to give up Rudy Gay and a pick. All they had to give up was a future second rounder and Rudy Gay. They didn't want Rudy Gay anymore. They were hoping he was not going to opt in, but because he did opt in, like, okay, we'll trade you. It'd be better for everyone. And I feel bad for Rudy because like like many people like myself, many people like myself saw that he wasn't in the league anymore. I don't know if you remember his earlier days, but before he became just his bench player, he was a star-studded uh, piece for a lot of teams who was a scoring machine. Like, he did things that impacted teams very very well like he was a main piece on the franchise at one point at one point and then it just went all downhill from there I'm not gonna say all downhill but his fame declined just him as a player declined and it's not like he's not being impactful it's just in different ways though but what we saw here was is that it was the job of the Hawks to cut down their money. It wasn't like they're going to go all Matt Ishbia and the Phoenix Suns and be like, we're going to pay this, we're going to pay that. We don't care about money. They care about money. They didn't want to be that apron team. They didn't want to have to pay all that money. And for the past four drafts now, it feels like, for the many, many drafts, they were looking to move off of John Collins. And this was not a favorable 
This was not a favorable contract by any stretch of the imagination. But for what you had to give up to get John Collins was a steal. It was absolutely a steal. And John Collins' contract, for anyone that does not know, has three years and $70 million remaining. Also, the trade creates a $25.3 million trade exception for Atlanta. So, like I was saying, the Hawks will now be able to avoid the possibility of becoming a second apron team. And they project to be below the luxury tax for the 2023-24 season. Which is huge. They wanted to move off that contract. And they were talking about DeJounte Murray as well. And per Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, they're still in a let's-make-a-deal mode. They're in a deal-making mode. They want to create opportunities. And I know they got DeJounte and Sadiq and Bogdanovich, and they got these pieces, the Clint Capella, these pieces around Trey Young. But they want to be financially responsible while keeping the health of this team, keeping, I don't want to say greatness, but, <coughs> pardon me, but keeping not of the overall spirits of this team, but just how well this team can be on the record books and hopefully into a good manageable postseason spot, whether that's the playing or or whether that's an actual postseason round, like the first round, second round, all that stuff, all that stuff. So I would not be surprised if you saw the Hawks try to make some smaller trades, some more smaller trades, or even mediumish trades. I'm not saying you're going to go all in and trade Jante Murray, even though it seems like it's not clicking. I don't know. That's just my observation. I think the backcourt of DeJounte and Trey could have been special. It's just one season. And you had a lot of turmoil in there between the rumors and reports of Trey Young not getting well with former head coach Damon Millen, Damon Millen being fired. Then you had the former Utah Jazz coach coming in. What was his name? Quinn Snyder. My apologies. I, I just had a brain freeze. But then you just had all of this turmoil and chaos and just trying to separate what's real, what's fake. Just in the rumors and reports and who was reporting it and what's going. It was a whole thing. But I think this upcoming season, depending on how they position themselves in this offseason, can be very, very successful. Now, I'm not saying they're going to become a finals-bound team or a semis bound team, but I think they can make it into the opening round, I think they can move past the play, and I think they're going to have a winning record, but without jumping the gun, what this trade allows is a huge 20 plus million trade exception, they're able to get off a very uh, non-team friendly, a very player friendly deal, they give that to Jazz, and honestly, who wins this deal? I'm going to say it's the Jazz. Because I've been kicking out around in my head a lot. Been kicking around in my head a lot. Because people are like, well, John Collins is washed. He's not good. That's what many people thought about Lord Marketing. People said that Marketing was just going to be this drop-off guy um, if he stayed with Chicago or if he left. John Collins is only 25 years old. Utah Jazz knows how to develop guys, how to make them better, give them a more meaningful role, a more exact role, a role that they can fit into. So I think this power forward slash center, this type of player will be able to go back to his 16, 8, and 2 days. <coughs> And I know he's had a history of injuries, but the Jazz definitely won this trade. They definitely, definitely won this trade. Because if they didn't think they were going to be able to win this deal, or if they couldn't revive him, then there was no chance on this 
are in this universe that they were going to make that deal. There's just no way they would have done it. They would have looked for a different player. But when you look at the updating starting lineup for the Jazz, you got Colin Sexton, Achie Baji, I'm sorry, I just botched that entire name, Laurie Markkinen, John Collins, Walker Kessler. And I know that they want to get rid of John Collins. Oh, I'm sorry, Colin Sexton. I know Sexton is on the trade block. They're trying to field offers and just trying to get off that contract. And it's just not working anymore. But right now, you have a pretty good roster. And with their ability to develop and further talent, just like Larry Markkinen, John Collins is going to be rocking in that same boat. At least that is my opinion. That That's my opinion. I'm not saying that it's going to work out, but I'm optimistic that we're going to be able to see... <coughs> Then we're going to be able to see John Collins getting back to scoring between 15 to 20 points per game. Getting between 8 to 10 boards per game. And maybe even a block per game. You just never know. You got to remember, John Collins was very, very good. Until he became very, very bad because of the rough relationship both sides had. You could tell there was a mutual agreement of we got to go our separate ways, but you just be have to be patient. And he's only 25. He's only been in the NBA since 2017 when he was selected with the 19th overall pick. So let that be known. He's a 6'9 power forward who could play the center position. He's very good who can shoot 55% from the field, 35 from deep, get you 16 points, get you 8 rebounds, get you 1.5 assists, and almost a steal, and almost a block. All in like what, 29, 30 minutes? Come on. Why wouldn't you want to have that? Why wouldn't you want to have that? He's a true two-way player. He's a true two-way player. I honestly do believe that. And I'm not just saying that to say. I, I honestly do believe that. So I think the Jazz wins this trade because they pick up the player. They don't have to give up much. They don't have to give up anything. It's a steal. It's a steal of a trade. It's one heck of a steal. For the Hawks, this is all about moving money. This is all about getting him out of Atlanta and just creating more financial flexibility and not being stressed. And they were able to do that. They were able to do that. And, and they were able to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. And I respect them for that. You knew this was coming. You knew that this was going to happen at some point. Even though we've been talking about this for years. We knew this was going to happen. We just knew it was. But they're projected to stay below the luxury tax for the upcoming season. They're avoiding the possibility of becoming a second apron team. This is all very, very good stuff. And speaking about the Jazz, because I want to pivot now into a player that they wanted. The Jazz very much wanted Christos Porzingis. Utah was willing to cooperate with Boston and with Memphis. They were going to go on that freeway to, uh, trade. I think it would have been a freeway instead of a four-way, but <coughs> that would have been very, very interesting because they wanted Christos Porzingis. Now, Porzingis had all the leverage. They had all the leverage. He had all the leverage. Christos Porzingis said, I'm only going to opt in. For this signing trade, I'm only going to opt into this 36 million player option. So you can sign and trade me, but it has to be to the Celtics. He didn't want to play for Utah. And why would he want to go from one rebuilding team to the next? He's in a finals contending team. He's with a finals contending team. With Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, that whole, a whole gang. 
a whole group of players, right? I love Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart with the Grizzlies, that's just going to be a defensive nightmare for opposing teams. But he did not make or break this team. Now, if you trade something like Jalen Brown, that could make or break your team. Jace Tatum, most definitely. When you look at all these trades and when you look at the possibilities of some of these trades, it's like, okay, was this good, was this bad? And for the Celtics adding Chris Osborzingis and eliminating Marcus Smart, who could have been traded two seasons ago? He was on the chop block. He was on the chopping block. They held on to him. And then they finally were able to maneuver and get a solid piece in Christoph Porzingis. But Porzingis had interest in the Utah Jazz. From the Utah Jazz. But he just did not want to go to Utah. And I 100% agree with him. That would have been horrible for him. He would have still been an unknown player. If he went to another rebuilding team. Now I think people forget. That he's only 27. And that he's just coming off a 23-8-3-1 season. With 50% from the field and 3.5% from deep. <coughs> Career high numbers in steals. In... Field goal percentage and points in almost minutes. Again, not the healthiest guy in the world, but when he's there, he's impacting. He's becoming an impacting player. And you can't teach height and wingspan, and you can't teach physicality. There's a reason why that he went to New York with the fourth overall pick in the 2015 NBA draft. Uh, fun fact, that was the NBA draft that Devin Booker was selected in. Selected to the Phoenix Suns. And Carl Anthony Towns. You have to remember how mad Philly had to be. They thought they were getting something in Jill Okafor, who only spent six years in the NBA. Yeah. That one was a very, this was a very interesting draft class. I'm telling you, most Duke guys just fall out of the league. Like, majority of Duke guys just don't have a fighting chance in the NBA. No being Okafor, no being Justice Winslow. Like, there's a lot of guys. Uh, Tyus Jones, he's not bad. He He's with, I believe, who's he with? Is he still with the Grizzlies? Who's he with now? I'm seeing he's still with the Grizzlies. I don't know. Yeah, it's a very good question. I, 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 I'm not just going to drive me insane. I think it was. I think it's still with Grizzlies. I don't know. No, okay, I was right. The Washington Wizards. Yeah, because he got traded in the market smart because I'm presenting his trade. Oh, I don't know why my brain was trying to play tricks on me. I'm like, I know he got traded, but I'm like, maybe he didn't. Maybe. No, I knew I was right. Anyways, anyways. Yeah, so the Jazz were interested in Chris Wallace Porzingis. However, Porzingis was more interested in playing for the Celtics and the Jazz. And even though he didn't have like a fancy no trade cause. He could have just signed with the Jack or um, with the Celtics rain team that he wanted to play with, because he didn't have to opt into that player contract. He didn't have to opt into that option. He chose just because he wanted to play for the Celtics, which is very encouraging for Boston Celtics fans. You also want to know what's very encouraging: Nas Reed and the Minnesota Timberwolves. They've agreed to a three-year, $42 million extension, which is such the right move for them. It, it really is. I'll, I'm a fan of Reed. <coughs> I 
Because when you look at this guy, he has just been climbing up the ranks. He's been here since 2019. He's only 23 years old. He's seemingly getting better each and every season. Sure, he went from 9 points to 11 to 8 to 11, but he's just maturing. He's becoming much, much better. And I get it. I get it that he suffered a fracture in his right, I'm sorry, in his left wrist on March 29th. But that does not mean anything. And I get that he missed the remainder of the season, of course, the postseason. But to me personally, this was a very, very good re-signing by the Minnesota Timberwolves because anyone would have just wanted to pick him up. Nas Reed is a very, very solid piece who's finding his rhythm with this, with this team. Which is incredible to see. That's why they're awarding him this solid contract. That's why they're doing it. Chris Finch and him have been growing together. At least that's my observation. That's that's just my observation. But I believe it's a very valid, valid observation. I think... Between Carnifty Towns, Rudy Gobert, say what you will say we won by Rudy Gobert. And I've said a lot of negative things about Rudy Gobert, but you add him in with the mix of Anthony Edwards and all those other guys. All those other guys. The Timberwolves are bound to be some special. I really do believe the Timberwolves have a shot of being a legitimate team. They have a legitimate shot of being. A very, very quality. They're, they're a quality team. They have the ability to say, okay, we know what we have to do. They, they're doing it. They're, they're above 500 last season. And when you look at their starting lineup, you got Mike Connolly, J.D. McDaniels, yes, the man that punched the wall and broke his hand, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. That's not bad, especially when you understand you have Nas Reed, Tarian Prince, Kyle Anderson, Nicola Anderson, Walker, and Jordan Malockton. When you look at the when you look at the Jalen Noel and you look at all these guys. Luca Garza. Jalen Noel, if I didn't already say it. If I already didn't say his name. Wendell Moore Jr. When you look at all these guys, it is very, very inspiring. It's very, very inspiring. Like, they have a solid team, and they're always adapting from the coaching staff to the players. Like, you got somewhere. Now you're 42 and 4, and you could just progressively get better. Because, believe it or not, if you, if you didn't flame out the way you flamed out in a lot of those puff games, in, those, in that first round against the Denver Nuggets, they could have taken two or three games. That's how close it was. So if you really watch those games, you study, or you're just a fan of the game and you just watch it, you could tell that the Timberwolves had every opportunity to either beat the Lakers or beat the beat the Nuggets. It just sadly never worked out to be that way. They always gassed themselves in the fourth quarter. They had shooting problems. It just was a byproduct of being a relatively new team in that environment and going up against that type of firepower. Whether it was Nikhil Jokic's team or Anthony Davis's team. Right? I'm I'm just gonna be honest. I'll still I'm still gonna forget how clutch my Connor was with those with those free throws. That was so clutch. Dumb mistake by by Anthony Davis to foul. You could have just won the game before you won in overtime, but still. Yeah, that was a very stressful and fun game. That was a very stressful and fun game. Anyways, you have that with the Timberwolves. They're money talks. Money talks. The Timberwolves, the Wolves, they've decided to pay Nas Reed for years. $42 million. Well, per Mark Stein... The Toronto Raptors expect Fred Van Vliet to command a salary 
of at least $30 million per season. Look, Kyrie is expected to go back to the Dallas Mavericks. You have Fred Van Vliet, the top point guard in this free agency class, if you want to call it a free agency class. But when you go position by position, or if you go as a whole, he's either top one in his position or top five in this entire free agency market. So the market can command him a, a very good payday of $30 million per season. If $30 million is not bad, like he's definitely deserving of it. I know that he's been lost in a shuffle and I get people like, well, he's 29 and he could be still risky. I would I would do it all day. I would pay him thirty million. Thirty million for a point guard like him is nothing these days. It's a very fair bargain. It's a very fair bargain. I don't know about you guys, but it's a very fair bargain. He's averaging he's average he this past season he averaged nineteen four seven and two. Off of thirty nine percent from the field, thirty four percent from deep. In thirty six minutes. Come on. He's 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 hustling, he's trying to make all the right moves, he's trying to make all the right plays. And he's found himself a home in Toronto. I, what do I think? And I know I'm going to talk about this later, but what happens to Fred Van Fleet? Because this is a more complicated issue, but I don't think, honestly, I don't think he returns to Toronto. I told you guys last trade deadline that they were all going to blow up, that Nick Nurse wouldn't be there anymore, that Fred Vliet was going to be gone, that all these guys like OJ Anobi was going to get fed up, same with Pascal Siakam, that there was going to be all these rumors, all these reports that it was just going to blow up. Whether it was going to happen then or now, it was going to happen in the future. I believe Fred Vliet goes to the Rockets. Now that's just my opinion, but... Do they really want to spend 30 plus million or 30 million on a point guard? I don't know. Would the Raptors want to say, you know what? We have to just hit the reset button because Pascal wants out. OJ Nobi, he started to get disgruntled. He may want out. And Fred, Fred can do whatever he wants. <coughs> yeah, Fred can do whatever he wants. Van Vliet. He's proven his mark. He's proven himself. Heck, he's a champion. He's a former NBA champion when him and Kawhi teamed up. So I don't think $30 million is that unreasonable. I don't think it's that unreasonable. It would be his largest contract in terms of money per year. His largest contract was... Four years, $85 million for 2020 to 2023. <coughs> With an average salary of 21.2. And you know what was guaranteed at the signing? All of it. And that's what's going to happen again. He declined his $22.8 million player option. With Toronto for the upcoming season. He's a free agent. He knows his worth is a million more. He can make it 30 million. And the Raptors know that. So you're going to have to say, okay, what do we do here? And that's where things get tricky. The Rockets could go all in on getting a very, very good point guard. Especially if James Harden does not return to Houston. If he does resign with the Philadelphia 76ers, and that's a great possibility. There's a very strong possibility of <clears throat> him returning to Philly. And honestly, I think Houston would be better with a player like, and this may sound strange, with like a, with a player like Fred Fleet than my man James Harden. And I'm, I'm just being honest when I say that. 
you guys can laugh at me, but I I think that is a very valid. I think it's a very fair point to make, at least in my opinion. And I know, I know I came out with this. But I know this is May 19th, so I'm going to read you guys something. So I said confirmed per, per sources, the reports coming out about James Harden expected to sign with the Rockets archers. Houston is in a position to do so. While the 76ers would like to keep Harden, there is a feeling Harden will end up with the Rockets. Both teams have a mutual liking for each other. Simply what I've said, if it confused anyone, is that Harden, at that time, like the reports that were coming out, that when I was talking to sources closest to the situation and closest to the reports that were coming out, those were 100% true. Have intentions swapped? Have feelings shifted? Between the Rockets and James Harden? Potentially. And I think there's a more likelihood of him. Resigning with the 76ers. Than with the Rockets. Especially if he feels as though he could win a championship. With one team. Meaning Philly over Houston. Um, better than the Rockets. So. I, I think things have changed. Because gotta remember. That was May 19th. We're heading to July 1st. We're heading to free agency very, very quick. So things can't shift. But the reports coming out of there were true. Were true. And James Harden is not completely sold on either team. It's a very hard decision. But there's a strong possibility of him returning to the 76ers. So you have to take that. You take that with a grain of salt. With whatever's coming out. It just all depends on what the Rockets do and what Philly does. And Nick Nurse is continuing his push for James Harden. It's one of the main reasons why they hired Nick Nurse. So they give him that vision. That vision talk to James Harden. Amongst many other reasons. Of course. Of course. Now, I know there's a lot of speculation with James Harden, but you want to know speculation that I think is very fascinating? It would be Cam Johnson in the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets have found their offensive piece. What the Sun should have valued, the Nets are valuing by affinity. They don't want to give them up. They don't want to give them up. They're ready to match any offers. For example, they're ready to match a four-year, $100 million offer. If an offer sheet comes in by a team, they're most likely going to match it and keep Cam Johnson. Like They're very serious about giving him a very player-friendly bag, a very player-friendly contract. And the Detroit Pistons are a team that would be able to offer him a four-year, $100 million contract. They could do so comfortably. And you got to remember, Monty Williams loves Cam Johnson. They have a strong relationship. They do. <clears throat> Just go back to the public interviews that Monty Williams had with the media about saying his goodbyes to Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson. He was emotionally torn up about it. He emotionally did not like it. He was trying to get over it. He respects KD. He loves Kevin Durant, but still to see his guys go, it's always tough. It's always tough. So I get where he's coming from. But there could be a reunion there. And many people were predicting, hey, Cam Johnson, why not? Why not? Why not have that reunion? He would work in Detroit. It would be something very, very fascinating. Personally, I wish he would come back to the Suns. That just, it could never happen for the Suns because we have no more money. Unless he wants to take his veteran minimum, but he's probably not. But I think this will work out better 
if he stayed with the Nets. As much as I want him to go with Monty, I don't want to break up the Twins. I don't want to break up Mikel and Cam. I don't want to do that. And the Nets are very committed to both Mikel and Cam. It's just not, oh, one guy's more favored than the other. No, 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 no. They're both, they're both players have been in trade talks. Not by the Nets reaching out, but by teams reaching out to the Nets. And that's like, I don't care if you give us four first rounds for Mikel or four first rounds for Cam. It doesn't matter. We're keeping the Twins. I don't care how much money you have to throw in. Joe Tessai and Mar- uh, Sean Mark, they want to keep up. They have every intention of making this roster good. Very good. And they believe Cam Johnson is a part of that, along with Mikhail. But focusing on Cam Johnson, the former Phoenix Sun. If I'm being honest, I think he stays as a Brooklyn Net. I can see as a toss-up. I can see him being like, okay, I can go back to my head coach. He really liked me, but I don't want to leave the guy that I was traded with that I built many memories with when we were in Phoenix. So there's all these swirling ideas and everything else rushing through his head, most likely. I don't know. I, I don't talk to him. I wish I could, but I can't, so I can't get inside his head. But you have to imagine that this is weighing heavily on him, and he may be torn, but he's also going to field all of his options. He's like, okay, you guys want to match it? Go ahead, Brooklyn. You go match it. Or if you don't, I'll go off to the Pistons. I'll go I'll go with Detroit Imani. Or I'll go to the Houston Rockets and I'll be able to go under the mentorship and the leadership of whatever players down there or even Emi Udoka, the newest head coach of the Houston Rockets. After shortly after the Houston Rockets fired former head coach Steven Silas. Um just to put some random facts out there for random knowledge. But you guys have to understand there is a delicate balance here. But I think he is torn. But I think he ultimately goes back to the Brooklyn Nets. Because I think the Brooklyn Nets are just going to honestly match the offer. Unless it's too much of an insane offer. Let's just say it's 5 years 150. Would you really value him at $30 million a year? I don't know. <clears throat> Like, what's your max? Like, what's your top bid? What's your top number for him? I don't think it's going to be five years, 150, because I don't think he's going to be able to command Fred Van Vliet like money. Not yet in, in his career. And I remember when people were souring on Cam Johnson for being so old. He's I know he's already 27. I know that he was a very old prospect, but I, I don't know why people were turned off when he was. 23, 24 entering the draft. I, I can't remember. Hold on, when did he... He was 23. I don't know why people were so upset. He's finally found his home with the... with Originally the Phoenix Suns. And then he found his home with Brooklyn. I think he's going to stay with Brooklyn. All Brooklyn needed to see that he could put up those numbers and more than what he was doing with the Phoenix Suns. There's true potential there. There's absolutely true potential there. And they're not afraid to give um, a huge contract. A $25 million per season contract. I don't think they're afraid to do that at all. In fact, I think they're willing to do that nine out nine times out of ten. I'm just going to be realistic with y'all. So it just, it becomes very, very interesting. You guys also know, I'm going to shift the conversation over to the Phoenix Suns now. I want to talk about Derrick Rose. I know that he was declined his $15.9 million team options, million team option. I know that the Knicks... The Knicks do want to bring back Rose, but it has to be closer to a veteran minimum 
or at least something that's not even remotely close to $15 million. But there's many teams like the Phoenix Suns, Milwaukee Bucks, and the Chicago Bulls that have been mentioned in league circles as teams with a potential interest in Derrick Rose. And this is per Mark Stein. So per Mark Stein, there's three potential teams outside of the New York Knicks that could have potential interest in Derrick Rose. And personally, as a Suns fan, and a man that covers the Suns, and that is a diehard Suns fan, I, I would die for the Suns. If that meant we could get a championship. I would love to see us win a championship, but if it meant me dying, I, I'm sorry I had a great run on this earth, but i like to have a championship. And many people call me weird for that. Don't worry, it's completely normal. Trust me. It's completely, completely normal. Um, but Derek Rose, I would not mind having former MVP Derek Rose. I would not. I would not at all. <clears throat> because before he fallen out of favor with Tom Thibodeau and the coaching staff, and before losing his spawn rotation, I get that he was only averaging five points in twelve and a half minutes off of thirty-eight percent. But when he was in there, he was averaging in 27 minutes, 15 points off of 48% from the field, 41% from deep, three rebounds, four assists, one blocker. That's the D Rose we all fell in love with a very long time ago. Now, he was very, very impactful a very, very long time ago before the knee injuries and just being derailed by injuries, right? But when you look at this, when you look at this. Derrick Rose could be a 12 to 14 type of guy. He could still dish out the rock. I'm telling you, the Suns should be like, hey, this is your best chance to win a championship. I know you've never been able to do that in your career. Come. Come play for us. Trust us. We'll be able to win you a championship. You end your career that way. You're 34. You don't have many opportunities left. Sign a one-year vet minimum deal, and you'll get quality minutes, quality playing time, quality shots. You'll be able to be in this rotation. You'll be able to play ball. You'll be able to play the game that you love. Here in interesting weather, better than New York weather, um, around great, great talent of Devin Booker, Brad Bill, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayn, um, all of that talent, all of that talent. That would be a very, very good selling point. And I believe Derrick Rose would want to play in the Valley. I could also see him playing with the Bucs. Not really, but as a championship contended team, even though they're in disarray with Chris Middleton right now and just trying to figure out this team with Brooke Lopez, etc., etc., I do believe that it's either going to be the Phoenix Suns or the Chicago Bulls because the Chicago Bulls could be, hey, we want to have a reunion with you. But but speaking in a matter of championships, I know no one can promise a championship, but you can promise the best odds being the Suns than the Chicago Bulls. I think many of us, including Bulls fans, would agree. Whether you want to admit it or not, you have to agree in the in the in in the blowest of your heart that the Suns have a better opportunity of winning, a better chance of winning in finals in the finals than the Bulls. Now if Michael Jordan comes out of retirement and he wants to play for the Bulls again, yeah, you guys will be winning a championship. But until then, you guys are winning a championship right now. And I don't know if the Suns are gonna be winning a championship. Just we had we had free chances to for our entire history. Most recently in twenty twenty one against the Bucks. It's just one of those teams. It's just one of those things as a team. You just have to go for the highs and lows. You just have to work through it all. Anyways, anyways. Um I would love to have Derrick Rose. Like to have Derrick Rose would be Pretty spectacular. Why not get a very interesting veteran like Derrick Rose, 
who still can have a lot left in the tank and can still prove himself. I I would love to have Derrick Rose. I would embrace him with open arms. If he takes the veteran minimum, then he could be a part of the Suns team. That's just how it has to be. Speaking about giving players veteran minimums and trying to gauge where we're at, the Phoenix Suns will be hosting a workout Wednesday featuring Jabari Parker and Stanley Johnson. This has been confirmed by Chris uh, Haynes of Bleacher Report. Look, the Suns have to, you know, build their team around veteran minimums. And I think for this team, it works. It doesn't work for all teams, but for the Suns, it works. They give you guys a an update on who these guys are. Stanley Johnson is a former lottery pick player who has played for the Pistons, Pelicans, Raptors, Lakers, and Spurs. He has ties to Frank Vogel's that and Frank Vogel in that one season that he was there with Frank. And he's a very versatile defender. Jabari Parker is a former top three pick who has played for the Bucks, Bulls, Wizards, Hawks, Kings, and Celtics. While he appears to be like 40 years old, he's only like 28. Both will be fighting for a vet spot. I also like to say that Jabari Parker was selected second in the 2014 NBA draft. Noble names in that draft class would be obviously Nikhil Jokic, Joel Embiid, Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Pardon me. Would be Joel Embiid, Nikhil Jokic, Andrew Wiggins, Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine, Joyce Randall, Marcus Smart, Jeremy Grant, Spencer Dinwiddie, Bogdan Anovich, Clint Capella, Yosef uh, Nurich, and Jordan Clarkson. That's that's a that's a pretty solid draft class. That's a pretty deep draft class. Going from the first round to the second round. Pretty, pretty deep. Yeah, pretty, pretty deep in my opinion. But the, both would be very, very beneficial for the Suns. Especially Stanley Johnson. I like Stanley Johnson because of his defense. He would be a good defensive impact for the Phoenix Suns. He would bring defensive positivity for us. And he has a good connection with Frank Vogel. So, you can see how that plays out. Just, I, I, I really do like the Suns' odds. Gotta remember, we've won the top coaching staffs in the NBA. Won the top starting lineups we have three of the top 10 top 12 players in the NBA I like this so if we have to fill our roster out of veteran minimums we could do that through Stanley Johnson Derek Rose um we have Jordan Goodwin under a contract same with Isaiah Todd like we're getting guys here Like, we have options here. So, we're not in the dark. We're not in the dark at all. And there are there have been reports confirmed by John Gambador of Arizona Sports and Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report that Deion Drain is here to stay with the Suns. And there's no value for him because the same value that was given for John Collins is roughly the same value that's there for DeAndre Drain because the Mavericks submitted an offer saying, hey, we'll give you back JaVale McGee, Tim Hardaway Jr., and a pick. I think it was a, I think, uh, no, I'm sorry, Reggie Bullock for DA. That's just not a good deal. That's just not a good deal. I get that you're looking for quality role players and you're trying to maximize everything, but... I think you keep DA. And we're not, I'm not going to go into this largely today. I'm not going to talk about this too in depth. But um, DeAndre does make sense for the Suns. Like, Frank Vogel is fun like heck. 
Lakeep DA and just to convince James Jones and Matt HBA to keep him. Because there is value in DA. Like, there's certain things you can't teach him. And he's still giving you double-doubles consistently. Like, that's what he's known for. So I get it that there's some hesitation. There's even hesitation for me. Like, I'm 50-50 with him right now. 51-49. Going in his favor. But I, I think you still give him a chance. I think you still give him a chance. I don't think you just try to put him on a trademark. I, don't, I think you take him off the trademark. You're like, here, we're going to give you a chance. To the trade on. We're going to see what you can do with this new lineup. Because I don't think everything needs to fall or rest upon the shores of DeAndre Drain. Because even uh, when he plays bad, he takes the whole team with him. I think that would be different now with the newest additions and the newest chemistry building of Brad Bill, Devin Booger, Kevin Durant, and whoever else is on that team, right? So there's very positive news of DeAndre staying with the Suns. I know this fan base is torn. They're torn, trust me. I'm still torn, but I'm still trusting the process. Still trusting the process. Now, speaking about a fan base that's still trying to trust the process, and no, I'm not talking about Joel B and the 76ers. I'm actually talking about Damian Lillard and the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Portland Trailblazers general manager... Joe Cronin released a statement after meeting with Damian Lillard on Monday afternoon, reiterating the team's commitment to the point guard. Quote, I met with Dame and Aaron Goodwin this afternoon. We had a great dialogue. We remain committed to building a winner around Dame. End quote. That that was per Cronin. Cronin. However you say his name. Last name. And by the way, Aaron Goodwin, if you guys do not already know, is his agent, is Damian Lillard's agent. Look, this is the same excuse, and I, I want to talk about this for a second. And I don't know why people are getting mad about uh, getting mad about Damian Lillard trying to stay loyal. At least he's trying to remain loyal. He just has to make this more public because. When you hear a general manager, when you hear a franchise keep saying, oh, we're, we're committed to building a winner around Dame. You guys have been saying that for years now. You've been saying that for years. You've had many first rounders, many of them bust, but now you get Scoo Henderson's like, who's like a mini Damian Lillard. It's just tough luck. Like the player we've all been waiting for and Scoo Henderson. And a player like Scoot Henderson's here. And now Damian Lillard may be on his way out. I don't blame him because he wants to win a championship. His time is expiring. And the problem is this. The trouble is like, oh, we're committed. We're committed. We're committed. You're committed to a rebuild. That's just what it's been for the past three, four seasons. That's what it's been slowly and aggressively turning into. And I'm not buying the excuses that... The Blazers are giving out anymore. Like I just don't believe it anymore. I'm just not buying it. It it just does not make any more logical sense. I still believe Damian Lillard is going to get traded. Where? Who knows? I know Miami is a team he would wouldn't mind playing for. He also doesn't want to be on a team with free superstars. Now is per Chris Haynes. But there are teams he wanted to go to. Like the Miami Heat. He's just, does he want to stick around for the rebuild? Will he stick around another year? He's getting paid a ton of money. The money's not the problem. I just think, A, he wants to change his scenery. And I don't think he wants to be fed empty promises. Empty guarantees. That go that goes nowhere. Like, that's frustrating. After a while, that's pretty frustrating. No matter the amount of money that you're getting. He's just accepting what the team puts in front of him to make him happy. Why wouldn't he take the money? Take the money to just try to decide about your future. But this is going to be very chaotic. It's going to be a very chaotic offseason and fury for the Blazers because the Blazers have to decide about Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard's leaving the ball in their court, leaving the decision up to them. Damian Lillard's been beyond fair to his organization 
Now you have to be beyond fair to him. Whether that's trading him or keeping him, you have if you keep him, you gotta make the trades. But if you get rid of him, you start to rebuild, and now you have Scoo Henderson to build around. That that's just that's just a, that's just a fact. It's been that way for weeks now. It's been that way when the reports and rumors are coming out, and all this Damian Lillard controversy was coming out. It's just been that way. We've been talking about this for two to three seasons now. But I think Damian Lillard is finally hitting his boiling point, and he should. He should. He absolutely should. And again, guys, I'm going to keep talking about Damian Lillard. I'm going to keep talking about DeAndre and Def. But I want to move on to not our topic of the day. But I want to I, I want to let you guys know about some of the notable free agents. I want, I want to let you guys know the notable free agents that are here for this offseason. As free agency begins June 30th. Notable free agents would be this. Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Fred Van Vliet, Bruce Brown, Draymond Green, Chris Middleton, Yaka Pirtle. My predictions are as followed. Kyrie returns to the Mavericks. Harden goes to the 76ers or returns to the 76ers. Fred Van Vliet decides to take his talents to Houston, Texas. Bruce Brown returns to Mile High. He wants to return to Denver, Colorado. He wants to win another championship. He won't always make it about the money. Uh, Draymond Green, he returns to the Bay Area. He believes Golden State's going to be the best option for him. Chris Middleton returns to the Bucks, Not leaving Giannis Antetokounmpo high and dry. Not leaving Drew Holiday high and dry. And they're going to try to thrive. They're going to try to keep this big, quote-unquote, big free together. I believe Yaka Pirtle, if the Toronto Raptors do not blow up their roster and try to turn to a rebuild because he's expressed on numerous occasions, especially recently, that he's not going to play for a rebuild. He wants to play for a contender. So if the Raptors are still going to be a contender, depend on all these outcomes, and then Yaka Pirtle returns to the Raptors. This is going to be a pretty wild offseason. This is going to be a pretty wild um, for agency, like this period is gonna be wild. It just is. It's gonna be a chaos that's either gonna be controlled or not controlled. Personally, this is all gonna start heating up a day or two beforehand. Like from now, June twenty seventh to when it opens June thirtieth, the floodgates are just going to burst open and rumors and reports. All this talk, all of this chit chat, like all the chatter, all of the whispers does not matter. The when the floodgates are just open on June 30th, you're gonna see some crazy stuff. I would not be surprised if some of those big names were to go. And I know some other names on there would be like Brooke Lopez. Don't forget about him. So the Bucks have a lot of decisions to make. It just, it gets really interesting what happens for all these teams, all these players. But those are the notable free agents in this free agency class, in this 2023 free agency class. If you want to call it like that, I think we'll see many returns. I think we're going to see some players go. It just depends how the circumstances unfold. It just depends on how players view themselves. We know about Fred Vliet commanding $30 million a year. We know Chris Milton turned down his $46 million or some 40 something uh, player option. You just never know. They're, they're just investing. They're just investing. Like Austin Reeves, he's going to invest himself back to the Lakers because the Lakers just not going to let him go. Do you bank? Do you just bank on yourself, or do you just return to that team and maybe try to win a championship that way? I don't know. There's many, many questions. When June 30th begins, there's gonna be a special podcast episode that comes out. Right? Wait a minute. June 30th for Friday. Hold up. Yeah, that's a Friday. Never mind. Business goes as usual. Never mind. 
So maybe June 29th, whenever that's a Thursday, I will most definitely have a special podcast episode coming out detailing all this, talking about it further, and just giving more of my thoughts. But I just want to let you guys know about those notable free agents. Just something to keep your eyes on, keep the radar buzzing. And guys, with that being said, this is all I have for today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, courtsaheat.com, twitter.com, slash courtsaheat. If y'all have any questions, y'all know where to find me. Have a great rest of your day, uh, weekend. Peace out. I'm checking out until free agency begins. Peace. Ah! Ah!